1: a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org/podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support
2: from KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Ish. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Right Now Ish. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Today, we're talking to Regina Jackson, affectionately known as Miss Regina. She's the head of the East Oakland Youth Development Center. It's a place that sent thousands of young people off to college and assisted a whole bunch of folks in starting careers. Big names like former NBA star and coach Brian Shaw, comedian Mark Curry, and Congresswoman Barbara Lee are often involved in programs at the center. And it's a place I stopped by a few times as a teen, but I became more involved with during my years in grad school. Yeah, I'm not a child of the center. I'm more like a cousin who met the family later in life. Ms. Regina is very intentional about making sure EOIDC retains that family structure and vibe.
0: I wanted the group to have these black male moments, get some guidance and get some support, and get some big brotherly love.
2: Her philosophy on mentorship and community development is something that she's taken from EOIDC from DP Stokeland to City Hall in downtown. She is the chair of the City of Oakland's Police Commission, the council that was formed in 2017 to be a checks and balance on the police department. They're a group of community members who work outside of OPD, but have say in the hiring and firing of officers, as well as the Oakland police chief. And they also oversee OPD's policies, practices, and more in hopes to reform the department. But given all that's happened in America, especially as of late, I have my doubts when it comes to reforming policing. And since it's July 4th weekend, I figured it'd be a good time to talk about Oakland, America, and all of that. More to come.
0: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
2: dot -dot kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. I've seen a lot of the work firsthand. Like I've been on trips with you to to China like in 2014 and seen the work that you do with young people and how you set it up so that it is intentionally intergenerational where you pair a 13-year-old with a 17-year-old with a 21-year-old and they're talking about different tiers in life in terms of education or socializing. Since you found a formula that, that kind of works in the midst of everything that's going on, how do you maintain that dream that you can actually cause some sort of change in America? How do you maintain that for yourself and for the young people?
0: You know, it's it's the same intergenerationally. Kids always pay attention to somebody that's just a few years ahead of them. And that's the magic, right? You, you help Older students understand that younger ones are watching them. Every five-year-old that's coming in knows somebody that goes to middle school or high school or college. They're going to want to go to college just because they see it. They see what it looks like. If they can do it, I can do it. It's dreaming what's possible, seeing that it's actionable, then making sure that it's accessible.
2: How do you maintain that dream in the midst of not only police brutality, but also so many different layers of oppression, especially operating a center in the flatlands of East Oakland, what is often referred to as the killing fields? How do you maintain that dream in the midst of all of that?
0: I have to keep hope alive. And the way in which we do it is to say, what would the person that you lost want for your life? How, how can you celebrate them? And I see them not just go to college, but get a graduate degree, get a PhD. I mean, we're seeing that over and over again. And they're first in their family. There is no limit to what they can do. What's going on outside, you know, has gone on before. It likely will go on again. But hopefully we can change some laws and change some rules and change how we show up in that work so that we can protect against the ugliness.
2: Uh, Hope, hope is a strong thing, especially in a place where people need it. I want to ask you about your work that you're doing with the Oakland Police Department. How does hope play into your efforts to change what's going on inside that institution?
0: What I basically thought was that my training and my experience could be helpful to transforming policing. Clearly, I have been able to create a toolkit to transform young people who've never been to college and never known how to do jobs to be supervisors, to be doctors and PhDs and all the rest of that. So I thought the skill set that I have and the programs that I have created, these kinds of things could probably work inside policing. You know, you have to greet people in a humanizing way. When you stop black males, for example, your first question should not be, are you on probation or parole? It should be, how are you doing today? You should humanize the engagement between police because let's face it, they can't do their jobs without community. And community will never feel safe if they don't have a trusted relationship with the police.
2: Given everything that's transpired recently, and I mean, historically as well, I'm not believing in America right now. I'm not believing that change can occur. And so I'm wondering is just changing the little pebble that is the Oakland Police Department, moving that pebble, will that help in moving the mountain in terms of the change that we're looking to get in America?
0: I absolutely believe that it will. Being able to fire the police chief already sets us on a national course around leadership. And so people are looking at us to see what it is that we're going to do. How do you identify and support the things that are good? And how do you identify and delete the things that are bad? People kind of have to look around and say, okay, can I get away with this? And if they see that most people can't, they won't even try. The only way to make change is a little bit at a time. You know, it's very hard to make sweeping change and then keep it there.
2: It's a lifestyle change. It's not like just going on a strict diet for a week. And I mean, essentially, that's what we're seeing right now is the strict diet for a week where people are sending I care about you text messages and institutions are putting out we care about black lives right now. It's like, no, we we need you to have a full lifestyle change.
0: And that also works with diversity and hiring practices. You know, when Reverend Jackson took on Silicon Valley, People were like, oh, my God, you know, our numbers are horrible. It's because you don't think about what cultural beauty that you are welcoming into the company. They're just looking for the tech piece. And it's like, you have to see people. And so then they would start recruiting them, but then they couldn't retain them. Why? Because they still didn't see them.
2: Yeah. Don't get mad at me for this question. All
0: right? I won't get mad at you.
2: You consider yourself a patriot?
0: Wow. Wow. That's like a loaded word.
2: I know it's a loaded word, and there's a connotation that comes with it. I don't imagine you at the hilltop waving the American flag, but it seems like you believe in the American dream, for lack of better
0: term. Yeah. Okay. So I guess the answer is yes. I hadn't actually thought about it that way, and certainly the American dream that was sold to me, it needs some reframing. It doesn't apply equally these days. Our kids can go to college get a master's degree, and still not be able to afford a house. And, you know, those are some of the, like, the basic goals, right? You know, it didn't used to be that you might have two or $300,000 in student loan debt. And I think the scenario is, particularly for people of color, that you go and you get these degrees so people can't say no to you because you don't have the degree. But then you still don't have the access that you should have. But then you look at people like myself, who are the chair of the police commission, in a space that we've not been before, but bring professional expertise that can be added to challenge people to look at things a little differently.
2: Hats off to Miss Regina for doing the work. There are many folks out there like myself, who don't believe that true reform can happen to a system that was formed to intentionally have overseers, um, I mean, officers, police us in the way that they do. But I give my respect to Miss Regina for not only keeping hope alive, but for doing the work. And if true reform is possible, it's going to take people like Miss Regina to make it happen. So again, I say thank you. To keep up with the work, you can follow her on social media at Regina Oak on Instagram and Twitter. Gotta say thank you to my team. That's Ashley Ann Krigbaum, the producer behind this joint, editor Jessica Plachik, and higher-ups at KQED. That's Erica Aguilar, Holly Kernan, and David Marcus. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. It's July 4th weekend, and if you are celebrating or protesting, whatever you do, I ask that you be safe. And keep in mind that July 5th is Mac Dre Day and July 6th is my birthday. All
0: right. Peace. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world.
2: I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California.